We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Take your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8. We'll be there in just a couple of minutes. Our text this morning is verses 5 through 9, Romans chapter 8. As you're turning, I want to encourage you to open your heart this morning, allow God to continue the work that He's already began in you today, because all of us need some transformation. I don't remember what evening it was, but we were coming back from the job site. Everybody was tired, worn out, dirty, muddy, sweaty. It was a horrible situation. And all of a sudden, somebody says, does anybody have shake on their phone? Cheryl Mike started playing that, and all of a sudden, that entire bus was transformed. Blame it on the transformation. I'm so glad our God is a God of transformation, aren't you? That He is a God who desires to bring change in our hearts and in our lives. This is the last message in the series. If you haven't been here for the previous three, I would encourage you, buy the DVDs, the CDs, or go to chctoday.com. All of our media is there. It's at no cost. You can watch it or listen to it as well. And special thanks to Doug Apple and Wave94 for doing all of our podcasts and putting them out there and making them available as well. So you can download them on your smartphone or your device as well. We understand that God, the gospel is all about transformation. It's taking us from who we were to who we ought to be. From the ones who were born into sin to the ones who were born again into the kingdom of God. Max Dupree said it this way, we can't become what we need to be by remaining what we are. We must change. That's the challenge to every believer on the planet today is allowing God, the Holy Spirit, to change our lives from the inside out. We talked a couple of weeks ago about one of the things that has to change is our mind, our thought life, the way we think. So let's look at Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 9. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I don't know about you, but I think that really succinctly describes our world today. Operating in a carnal mind that only leads to death and destruction. But you and I have good news. We are the salt. We are the light. We have a message that invades the darkness, the destruction, and the death. And it's a message of transformation. I'm going to say it one more time. The White House is not going to affect change in America for the positive. Come on, you need to hear it. A politician is not going to change our culture for the positive. That's the role and the responsibility of the church of Jesus Christ. We are to be influencers of change. We are to be that agent or that mechanism that brings transformation into the hearts and lives of men and women around us. We only do that if we ourselves are transformed. Listen, if you look and act just like those out there, there's nothing for them to be pulled towards. But if you show the love of Jesus Christ, if you live a life of peace and joy, of hope in hopeless times, somebody's going to see and ask what's different about you. It's time for you and I to be transformed so that the world sees God in us. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is hostile. I'm using the word hostile rather than enmity. Hostile towards God. It's not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Did you hear me? 
The writer said it very, very clearly. If you live in the flesh, and you remember that word is translated from the Greek word sarx, and it means external or human nature. If you live in the external, what you can see, if you live according to the old carnal man, the human nature, then you will never please God. It's absolutely impossible to please God from the flesh. It doesn't matter how much you give. Oh, come on now. It doesn't matter how much you give. It doesn't matter how many times you go to church. It doesn't matter if you have a perfect attendance rhythm. You never miss Sunday school in your entire life. If you're living in the flesh and you're not living by the power of the Spirit of God, you can't please Him. Requires transformation. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, I love this. Listen to the transition. Paul's writing to the church, and he said, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Oh, come on, folks. You need to underline that, highlight it, exclamation points, put it on your bathroom mirror, hang it on your rearview mirror, stamp it on your mind, write it across your forehead. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. That's where the church is called to live. And you know what? If we'd do that, there'd be a whole lot less nonsense. If we'd do that, there'd be a whole lot fewer church splits. If we would do that, we wouldn't be pushing our agenda instead of his agenda. Oh, it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to say we're drawing the line in the sand. There is no more of this nonsense that has plagued the church for generations. We will be the generation that says we will not live in the flesh, but we're going to live in the spirits. We're not going to be dictated by my passions and my will and my desires, but I want to be driven by the power of the Spirit of God. It's time for the church to be transformed. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Here's the qualifier. If the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, do you understand that when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God dwells in you? Now, you do also understand that you have got to make room for the Spirit of God to continue to dwell in you. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. Hold that thought. Put a pin there. I'm going to come back to it. You're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. See, let's say it this way. It doesn't matter if you're Pentecostal, if you're Baptist, if you're Methodist, if you're Episcopalian, if you're Catholic, if you're Presbyterian, if you don't have the Spirit of God in you, you're not one of His. It's not about that denominational man-made label. It's about, are you a son or a daughter of the living King? Do you know Him? Have you experienced Him? Does He live in you? Do you wake every morning with a praise on your lip and joy in your heart, giving thanks to the Most High God because I'm no longer a sinner bound for hell. I'm a saint bound for heaven, and I'm going to live there every day of my life. Oh, come on, somebody. We need to understand when we have the Spirit of God and He dwells in us, it brings transformation to our hearts. So that experience brings transformation to our hearts and to our lives. The first area we must change as believers is in our spirit. We are created new. You remember 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we are new creations. We're born again. We're made over a whole new thing when Jesus comes into our hearts. And the work of the spirit is an inside job. 
First he brings to life that which was dead, and then he begins transforming what's already in me that I struggle with. The first thing he transforms then is our mind, and we talked about that. Our thought life must be transformed by the power and the grace of God. What does Romans 12, 2 say? Paul said, be not fashioned according to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove, I love that, no second junction, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove. Oh, come on, are you getting that? Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying if the Spirit of God dwells in you, if your mind is being renewed day by day by the Holy Spirit of the living God, then you will prove. That means display, put on as evidence that God is in you. You'll prove that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. I love it from the message. It's translated this way. Don't be so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Oh, come on, folks. If you're a believer filled with the Spirit of the living God, you need to be uncomfortable in our culture. You can't slide out of church and slide right back in with your friends that don't know Jesus Christ. Now, now, don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I think you do need to rub shoulders with those who don't know Jesus. Otherwise, how are they ever going to know him? But I'm saying you can't be comfortable with their lifestyles, with their habits, with their behaviors. The God in you should rebel against that. So we go and read it. It says, don't be fashioned. Don't be so adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. And you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. My goodness, is that a statement for the church or what? Come on, folks. Don't get involved in those silly games that take you away from the purposes of God in your life and move you from a position of maturity in the Lord Jesus Christ. But rather involve yourself in those things that please God. God brings, and I love this, God brings out the best of you. Well-formed maturity in you. Someone said, well, I'm not sure I want to mess with that Christianity stuff. I may not like what happens. Well, I'm here to tell you, he will bring out the best in you. When you are created new, you became a better individual than you ever were before. Oh, come on, don't resist transformation, but allow God to do what he wants to do in your heart and in your life. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. When he said it this way, remember you not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Shall ye not know it? He's going to prove it to us in and through our lives when we determine to allow him to transform us. He desires to bring new things into our lives. But in order to have new things in our lives, some old things have to go. I already said it. We've got to make room for the spirit of God to do what he wants to do in us. Now, if you've been here any time at all, you know I'm not a legalistic preacher. I don't give you rules and regulations, but I will tell you this. 
If you're being transformed by the power of the living God, you won't be the same person today that you were yesterday. And you won't be the same person tomorrow that you were today. And in a year from now, some of those folks who used to know you won't know you anymore because you are not the same person. God has done something inside of you that has transformed and revolutionized your life. Oh, come on, folks. I'm not talking about being fruits and nuts. I'm talking about being full and the spirit of the living God that changes us from the inside out. Talking about being the true church of Jesus Christ that confronts our culture, that doesn't rely upon any other power except the power of God to bring change into our hearts and into our lives. I'm telling you, there's way too many Americans thinking this next election is going to bring new direction to us. I've got news for you. One human individual cannot change the human heart. It's only done by Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to encourage you to get out and vote and vote the one for the one that will most support the ways and the means of God. But understand, if your hope is pinned on the White House, you're hoping in something that's going to fail. The only assurance we have is Jesus Christ and his righteousness. So it needs to change the way we think. We've got to get rid of old things to bring in new things. And secondly, this morning, we need to change how we think about ourselves. Let's talk about that. We have to have transformation in how we view ourselves, how we think about ourselves. I'm excited about the women's conference in December because that's what they're addressing. By the way, it's only for women. There are no men allowed in the church on that day, so just put that down in your book and remember it. No boys, it's only gals. And they're going to talk about some things that will bring transformation into hearts and into lives. Look at Romans chapter 12, verses 3 and verse 16, because Paul deals with the fact of how we think about ourselves. He says in in verse 3 of that passage, For I say through the grace that was given to me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think, but to think as to think soberly, according as God has dealt to each man a measure of faith. See, we need to think of ourselves as God sees us, not too highly, not more than God sees us. Verse 16, get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Need to say any more? Believe it or not, you're not too good to help serve in any area in the kingdom of God. You're not too talented to do anything God asks you to do. Don't be stuck up. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. I love that. I love that. Make friends with nobodies. Do you remember the scripture also gives us the injunction that we shouldn't place more importance on the rich man than on the poor man. But we should understand in the kingdom we're all the same. It also goes across ethnic lines as well. Just because my heritage is Native American doesn't mean that I can't love a white person or a black person or a brown person or an Asian person. Come on, do you hear what I'm saying? Make friends with those who your culture, who your ethnic group considers as nobodies. Make friends with them. Welcome them. Embrace them. Bring them into your heart and into your life. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. I love that. That's the problem we have in the church today. I got a title. 
Yvonne and I are going to Nigeria next month. We're going to do a pastor's conference, then preach the graduation of the Bible school there. They've graduated over 3,500 pastors in the past few years. Great revival is happening in Nigeria. We're excited about that. Had an email this morning from the the, uh, dean of the Bible school asking me for my pedigree. I understand the culture. I get that. But I said to him, sir, I just prefer to be called Steve. Because I'd really rather be a nobody than a somebody. I'd rather be known by God than known by man. I'd rather be honored by the king than honored by those around me. I don't need a title. I know who I am in Jesus Christ. I don't need all these things behind my name. I know that I am a son of the king. And that's all that matters. I love that scripture. Don't be the great somebody. Most of us think of ourselves in one of two ways. Either we think more of ourselves than we ought to, or we think less of ourselves than we ought to. So let's talk about that. Most of us, I shouldn't say that, some of us are filled with pride. Look what I have done. Look who I am. Look what I have accomplished. Look how great I am. And we think we're deserving of special treatment. I've got news for you. There's none of us in the kingdom deserving of special treatment. We're all the same. We're children of the Most High God. And God wants to promote that in and through us. But so often in the church, I'm somebody. So I strut and I primp and I talk about myself all the time. Listen, if you're going to a church where all they do is talk about what they have done and don't talk about Jesus Christ, run! Come on, get into the place where the King of kings and the Lord of lords is uplifted and magnified and praised, where he is preeminent, where he is center in all that we do and all that we think and in all that we say. When we become so concerned and so fixated on who we are, when we become proud, it also leads us to a bit of paranoia. Because we're so self-aware and so self-absorbed, we think that, well, everybody's out to get me. They want my job. They want my position. They want my title. The true believer walking in the grace of God is endued with humility, and we understand I'm not replaceable. I'm not replaceable. God can move me out and move somebody else in because it's not about me. It's about him. It's not about my kingdom. It's about his kingdom and him being uplifted and glorified in this place. So when we look at each other with suspicion, with distrust, it speaks to our view of ourselves. It speaks to what we think of ourselves. Oh, can I tell you, there is a place in Christ where God will take you through the Spirit, where you can have utter confidence in who you are and in what God wants you to do and what has called you to do, that you don't worry about anybody else, what they're saying, what they're thinking. It just flat doesn't matter anymore because I know who I am in Him, and it's not based on pride or self-absorption. It's based on the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Second thing we do is we think too little of ourselves. We see ourselves as nobodies, useless, insignificant, outcast, rejects. And as a result, we think too little of ourselves. May I remind you what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's own special people. 
that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but have now obtained mercy. Oh, you want to know how to think about yourself? Memorize that scripture. Put it down in your spirit. And then when the devil says you're a failure, when he says you're worthless, when he says you can't do anything, you say, no, I am a chosen people. No, I'm a part of a holy nation. No, I'm a child of the living king. No, I was once in darkness, but now I'm in light. Once I had no mercy, but now I've received mercy that brings transformation. Come on, think of yourself as God sees you. Don't be trapped in either position, thinking too much of yourself or thinking too little of yourself. But understand how God sees you and what God has done for you. And then number three, we need to change the way we think about other people. You see, we're to see each other as family. As family. We get to pick our friends, but our families we don't have much choice about, right? But we are to be seeing each other as family. God wants to change and transform how we think about one another. And, and listen to me. I don't know how many are in the room this morning, 400, whatever. I guarantee you there's not one in this room that thinks the same way about someone else. I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that I love Yvonne with all my heart. She is the greatest woman I know. And you may say, oh, no, that's not true. I just don't love her that way. That's good that you don't because I'd be in your face. <laughs> you may say, oh, that Chris, that Chris, he's a nice guy. But, you know, I, I just don't like his beard. It just doesn't do anything for me. Thank goodness Daniel shaved him. That's a lot better, amen. I'm just kidding these guys. We don't think the same way because we're different individuals. We're distinct. But we need to come to the place where we understand how I think about you is either godly or it's not. One or the other. So we need to change or be transformed in the way we see one another. Romans chapter 12. I hope your Bible is still open. I want to show you a few more scriptures beginning in verse 10. Be good friends. Love deeply. Oh, I love this phrase. Practice playing second fiddle. Do you know what that means? It means you don't need an entourage. Do you know what that means? It means you don't need somebody to wait on you. Do you know what that means? It means you don't walk out of church saying, I just didn't get fed. Listen, there's only two groups we feed, and that's the babies and the infirmed. And if you aren't one of those groups, it's up to you to eat what God has put before you. Change about the way you think about others. Help the needy, verse 13. Be Christians. I love this. Be inventive in hospitality. Five weeks ago today, four or five, I don't remember, I challenged you once a month. Find somebody that doesn't look like you and take them out to lunch. Invite them over to dinner. Be inventive in hospitality. Get out of what you're comfortable with. Get to know somebody else. Take somebody else and let them be a part of your life. Be inventive in hospitality. Have you done that? If you haven't, shame on you. Because that's what God's calling us to do. That's the way the church is transformed. Is when we transform the way we think about others. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. You know what that really means? It means don't be two-faced. Don't be two-faced. 
Don't look at somebody and say, oh, you're the greatest person I've ever known. Turn around and say to somebody else, that's a dog. I'm telling you, that's a dog. <laughs> Don't be two-faced. Needs to stop. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. I like the way that's phrased. And the King James says, as much as it is in you. I understand there's some folks we just aren't going to get along with. It's just human nature. But do your best. Put out your effort. If you got it in you, get along with everybody. You see, he desires through transformation to birth compassion in our hearts for others. A few years ago, this was sent to Ann Landers. I said, dear Ann Landers, it happened again today. My two sons and I were in the shopping mall and a total stranger felt the need to comment on the fact that my boys don't look anything alike. Apparently, my six-year-old decided it was time to explain the difference. He said, I'm adopted. That means we have the same family, but we don't have the same face. Do you all get the significance of that? Do you understand the spiritual implication? We are family in this room. We are family in this room, even though we don't look alike. We are family through the blood of Jesus Christ. We are family because we are sons of the Most High God. We are family because we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter the color of your skin, your country of origin, the language you speak, the ethnic group you belong to. If you're one in Jesus, we are family. We need to understand that and get it in our hearts and our minds. Develop compassion within us. All of us are adopted. Too often, not only in the church, but in society, we see one another as competitors. Drives me nuts. When another pastor said, how many did you have in church on Sunday? You know what he's doing? He's, he's trying to put the measuring stick out there. It's really none of his business. I will never tell him. And if he really ticks me off, I'll say, oh, we had 10,000 last Sunday. Watch him. They just go nuts. The head blows off. They can't believe that. Well, quit asking stupid questions. Come on, somebody. See, we shouldn't see each other as foe, but rather as a friend. We are not antagonists. We are not enemies. We are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. You may not always agree with me, and I probably won't always agree with you, but it doesn't mean that we aren't brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. One of the reasons I love the Scripture is because it's real. It shows human personality under the work of God and through grace. Do you realize that Peter, or excuse me, that Barnabas and, and Saul, Paul, had a great falling out, a big argument, and they went their separate ways? Yeah, they did. Do you realize that Paul called Peter on the carpet for the way he was behaving around the Jews as opposed to the way he was behaving around the Gentiles? Yes, he did. Why? Because it shows us in humanity there will be disagreements. But listen to me, Christian heritage. Disagreements should never lead to wars and fights and church splits and us going our separate way. Somebody better hear what I'm saying. That spirit of division has no room in the church of Jesus Christ. We should never see each other as foes, but as friends. We should never see each other as a burden, but as a brother. 
Now listen to me, we're doing some good things to reach our community. One of those is every Wednesday when we partner with Good Samaritan Second Harvest and Farm Share to feed hundreds of people out here on Main Street. They come and get groceries like they're going to a grocery store. But if I catch one of you looking down your nose at one of those folks who need help, I'm going to rain all over your parade. Because we teach, treat each other as brothers, not as burdens. See, God desires to transform the way we see each other. Because he wants us to see them as he sees them. He wants us to respond as he responded. And then lastly, I'm going to wrap it up. We need to change the way we think about the church. Fixing to get some good stuff. The church is not 1030 on Sunday morning. The church is not just these folks in this room. See, the church is a kingdom concept. And a kingdom principle. The church isn't Pentecostal or Methodist or Baptist or Episcopalian or Catholic or Presbyterian. The church is men and women who have been born again through the blood of Jesus Christ. The church is men and women who understand a concept of building the kingdom of God that's greater than these four walls, that's greater than the folks in this room. Someone said to me, what do you do? Well, I'm a part of a church. Yes, I'm a part of a local congregation. But even more, I'm a part of the kingdom of God. I have brothers and sisters across the city, across the nation, and around the world who We're a part of the same kingdom of God. So don't think about the church as this building. But when we think about the church, three things need to change. Number one, we can't think of the church as an obligation. That's what many of us do. Well, it's Sunday morning. I've got to get up and go to church. Why don't you just leave your bad attitude in bed? Love the way you're shouting now. Oh, come on. David said, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. When we think about the church, it's not an obligation. It's not a duty. It's not something I got to do. It's something I get to participate in. I can come and give my praise and my worship to a living God. I can join with my family and we can say hallelujah together. It's not an obligation. Nor is it ordinary. Ordinary defeats the kingdom of God. Read the word. There is nothing ordinary about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is supernatural, filled with the miraculous. The power of God flows through his church. Life transcends through his church. Individuals are changed because of his church. Oh, friend, it grieves my spirit. If somebody doesn't get saved in this place every single week, we need to understand the church is not ordinary. If you want to take me someplace where we recite a few little ditties, Where we sit up and stand up and sit down on cue? Where we do everything according to a program? I'm not going to be a part of that. That's ordinary. That's ordinary. Now understand, I believe in structure. I believe in order. But I also believe that if God wants to touch someone's life through some crazy video called Shake, I'm going to let him do it. I also believe that if God says, Sing Amazing Grace, even though it's not on the schedule, we're going to do it. Come on, the church is not ordinary. Every time we gather together, 
We should gather together expecting God to break in, to break through, to show up, to be strong, to change hearts and to change lives. Anything less is ordinary. Listen to me. The atmosphere of expectancy is the breeding ground of miracles. And if you come expecting an ordinary service, I assure you that's what you're going to get. Listen to me. It doesn't matter how powerful the service may have been. It doesn't matter how wonderful the worship was. It doesn't matter how powerful the word may have been. How many people were touched. If you come without an atmosphere of expectation, you're going to leave getting nothing. So it's up to you and me to come with the right attitude. And that's one of expectation. Knowing that when we gather together, God's going to be there. Oh, come on, church. Quit worrying about all the other stuff and let God show up. You know what I tell this to the youth all the time? You've got a wrong, a wrong expectation of what church is. It's not lights. It's not smoke. It's not about loud music. It's not about microphones. I can go to the darkest place in Africa and I can meet under a tree and I can hear believers lift their voice without a single instrument and to give praise unto God and God comes down. And me send there. It's not about all the fancy doodads and gadgets. It's not about, it's not about being Elevation Church. Well, you're gonna love me now. It's not about Hillsong. God, it's not about having smoke on the platform. It's about having the Holy Ghost of God come down and reside among us and reveal Himself to hearts and to lives. And if you need that stuff to get you where God needs you to be, you need to adjust your attitude. I'm serious, folks. You've got to be able to come to this place. And if a microphone doesn't work, if the lights doesn't work, if Tom is off key, which never happens. I mean, to tell you, God has blessed that boy, hadn't he? Unbelievable. If things don't go like we think they should go, we don't sit there like this. We open our hearts and we say, God, I don't care what's going on around me. I've come to give you praise. I've come with an attitude of expectancy. And I believe my attitude will change the atmosphere. And in that atmosphere, miracles are going to happen. Because that's God's promise to you and me. Church can't be ordinary. And the church can't be optional. I thought about this last night about midnight. I was trying to go to sleep. Thinking about the message this morning. And I thought, you know, we'll probably have a pretty good crowd today. Hang on to your seats because I'm getting ready to rock your world. Probably have a pretty good crowd today because Florida State won yesterday. Shame on you. If your hope is tied to a football team, shame on you. Come on, it's time to know. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood, His righteousness. I'm going to exalt Him. Church is not optional. It doesn't matter if I don't feel good. It doesn't matter if I haven't slept good all night. It doesn't matter what I think or what I feel. I'm going to go and worship. I'm going to praise. And God's going to come down. Doesn't matter if FSU loses. I got a greater hope. A greater hope. See, it has to be our priority. Worship, corporate worship, has to become our priority. It's not something we do when it fits in. It's something we do so that we're a part of the family of God. 
What does Hebrews 10.25 say? Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. This isn't a new issue. It's been around forever. Since the inception of the church, there are those who want to be there and those who don't. There are those who, I tell people all the time, we have four congregations. And we see them once a month. Now, a lot of you are here every Sunday, but there's a lot of folks that show up once a month. Can I challenge you once a monthers? Stop it and get in the presence of God every week. And you're going to see God do something powerful in your life. You're going to be amazed by what the Spirit of God does. Because the church is the place where we are refueled and refired to go out into the world with the message of the good news. Scripture says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So our mind has to be transformed. Our thought life has to be transformed. What we think about ourselves has to be transformed. What we think about others has to be transformed. What we think about the church, God's people, has to be transformed. Because as we are transformed, we're moving closer and closer and closer to the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ. But if we resist that transformation power, we're drawing further and further away from who Christ has destined us to be. I don't know about you, but I need some transformation. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. In this room this morning, this entire service has been for you. This entire service has been a challenge to your heart and to your life. The Spirit of God's been talking to you from the first note that was played. And you understand that today I need transformation. I need to change. I need God to do something in my life. I'm a sinner. If I were to die today, I'd find myself in a devil's hell. Not in the heaven God has created for those who love him. That's you. You need Jesus to come into your heart and into your life. Will you be brave this morning and raise your hand and say, that's me. Pray for me. Yes, I see that hand. Someone else? That's me. Pray for me. Just wait another moment. Someone else? That's me. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Someone else? God's talking to you. He's calling you. That's me. I need Jesus in my heart and in my life. Raise your hand. Hold it up for just a moment. I'll recognize it. You can slip it back down. Stand your feet across this room this morning. The two of you who raised your hand, one up in the risers, one right over here. I'm going to ask you to be brave. I'm going to ask you to step out and come and meet me right down here. And we're going to ask God to touch our hearts and touch our lives this morning to bring change to you. Would you come? If you raise your hand, step out and come right now. And let's let God do something significant in your heart and in your life. Come on, right now. Step out. Don't wait for anybody else. Meet me right down here. That's it. That's it. Anyone else? Yes. Amen. Amen. Praise God. That's the real thing, folks. That's the real thing. God touches our hearts and we do cry and we are sorry for what we've done. Come on, anyone else you want to join this young lady? Join her being brave and coming to Jesus Christ. So wait another moment. Daniel, Jessica, Chris, will you come over and pray with this young lady this morning, leader in the kingdom of God? You're in this church this morning and you say, I need God to help me change the way I think about myself. That's you. Step out and come. I need God to help me change the way I think about others. That's you. Step out and come. I need God to help me change the way I think about his church. That's you. Step out and come. Don't wait for anybody else. Just come right now. God's going to do a work in your heart and in your life. So wait just another moment. Anyone else you want to come this morning and join these? Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray for the power of the living God. 
to bring transformation into our hearts and into our lives. We pray for eternal change to flow in us and through us by the power of the Spirit of God. Do your work in our hearts and in our lives. Do your work in this church this morning. Transform us, God. Make us the people you want us to be. Change our lives for today and for all of eternity. Do the things in us that need to be done, that only you can accomplish, that we will never accomplish on our own. Bring transformation to us today, I pray. Bring transformation to our hearts and to our lives this morning. Make us the people you've destined us to be, I pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. CG, I want to do shake one more time. And I want you this morning to just worship him and say, through his power, I'm being transformed and I'm being changed. Daryl, are you here this morning? Daryl Wills, will you come right now? We're going to do shake one time and then Daryl is going to speak to you very quickly. Come on, play that video right now. Let the spirit of God move in your heart and move in your life and bring change to you today. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.